Today on the show, I talk to Nashville rock and roll band The Kicks about what it takes to pursue music for a living, keeping your focus on creative goals, and so much more on episode 34 of Who Writes This Stuff? All right, let's do this. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, my name is Nick Flora. I'm coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. This is Who Writes This Stuff. Um, I'm a little bit tired. I've had, I can say that, right? I'm tired. Uh, I last weekend played some shows, went all the way up to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, basically back in a span of 48 hours. Uh, it was pretty crazy, but uh, well worth it. Great times. Good shows. Um, I'm tired. I can admit that. I'm a human. It happens. I am excited about this show. Uh, my good friends are in this band, and they're called The Kicks, and they're awesome. And uh, they're one of those bands that I, I became friends with and I just told everybody about for a long time, and I'm still, this is kind of another way of me telling you, my friends, the listener, about uh, this band. They're great. They're hardworking. Um, a few years ago, uh, I went on tour with them. And in the in what is one of probably show wise one of the worst tours I've gone on, but as far as uh, people to be around and uh, just camaraderie, one of the best. Um, I think we even talk about it in the in the podcast. How you know that wasn't the greatest, but all my memories of it are great. Um, I have nothing but fond memories, and that speaks uh, volumes about just just how great these guys are. So I'm excited that you guys get to hear a little bit of their story and a little bit of their perspective and their music as well, because uh, they're fantastic. And if you ever get a chance to see them live, please, please do, because they're so, so fun. And speaking of live shows, uh, I'm playing a few, if, just real quick. Uh, this weekend, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, Friday uh, the 19th, I'm playing a show in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, my hometown, small town, going to rock it. Uh, if anybody shows up, please come. If you're listening to this and you're in driving distance of Arkadelphia, Arkansas, Southwest Arkansas, please come. Uh, going to be a fun show at Dino's Main Street Cafe there in town. Uh, also, I am happy to uh, announce that I am going on the road with Andrew Osenga. He's doing his Leonard the Lonely Astronaut tour, which I've talked about ad nauseum uh, on this podcast, but, uh, he's going on tour. I'm playing in his band as well as playing a few songs opening up for the tour. So if you want to come, I'm going on the, uh, I'm playing in Atlanta, uh, on the 27th and then on November 1st, Cincinnati, November 2nd, uh, Chicago, November 3rd, Lincoln, Illinois, November 4th, Muncie, Indiana, and then November 8th, uh, Nashville, Tennessee at the Rutledge. And all of these dates are, uh, and all the details for them are listed at uh, Facebook slash Inflora Music. If you're in any of those areas, please come and see us play. It'll be uh, a lot of fun. I do want to say thank you to everybody who wrote. Uh, I have an overwhelming amount of feedback. Um, not overwhelming, but a whelming amount of feedback uh, for the last show, episode 33 with Jennifer Knapp. That one, one of my favorite ones that we've done. All of them are my favorite in a way, but that one was great. I had such a good time doing it. Um, and a lot of people wrote about, you know, things that she talked about as far as, uh, you know, pursuing a creative thing and then, you know, giving it up and having to kind of wrestle with the idea of giving up this part of, that was so obviously a part of her identity. A lot of people resonated with that and just how honest she was great class act that jennifer knapp really really great episode so go back and listen to that if you haven't for sure i think you would uh enjoy it 
So thank you for writing in about that. If you wrote in about that or tweeted to me about that, very cool to know that there are people listening to this. So write in uh, if you have any comments about uh, this week's episode or previous ones or uh, just, you know, maybe guests that you'd like to hear on the show. Anything at all that strikes you when you're listening to this podcast, write in. I'd love to hear it and I'll read it on the show. Uh, If you want to, uh, even be a sweeter person you can go and leave an iTunes review on the iTunes podcast page if you want to be an even nicer person than that you can drop uh, a couple uh, bones as they called it back in the day uh, we call it money now uh, to donate to the podcast you can go to the podcast blog and uh, there's a donate button click on that uh, it's a huge help whether it's a dollar five dollars ten whatever it is whatever you feel is just looming in your in your kind of PayPal folder there that you want to toss our way. Every bit helps. Um, every podcast we put out takes a little bit more space of bandwidth, and uh, every year I have to kind of re-up it. So it would definitely help this keep this podcast free, which I have no plans on uh, charging for. But if you want to help and be an angel, you can donate there. Um, at the very least, follow us on Twitter, at WhoWritesPod. Go like us on Facebook. Um, I know I, 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 now it's so weird. I feel like a dad when I say, cool, like us on Facebook. Um, but, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, join the conversation over there. We also have a YouTube channel now. If you want to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel and a Tumblr, which is, uh, I think just who writes this stuff Tumblr, if you want to join us there. So we're, we're taking over the internet one social media thing at a time. So, okay. With that out of the way, uh, I prefaced it before. Great episode with the kicks. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Great guys. Hilarious guys. Guys who have their stuff together. So enjoy my talk with the kicks. Gabe, can you count to three real quick? One, two, three. Okay, you're just quieter than him normally, so I want to make sure that you're covered as well. Jordan, you're really animated. Is that like right now? Is that is that, that kind of like saying I'm annoying, obnoxious? <clears throat> no. Self-important. No. I feel like this we're is kind of like we're we're catching up a little bit as. I know as it well is. As yeah. It's 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 basically us. You're you're the game. first uh, first band I've had on this podcast that the second time that we recorded. One, what's the best way to say that? We recorded, we recorded a, podcast. a podcast. This is the second time we've done this. And, and the first time that people will hear it. First time that anybody ever heard it. The first time was just for fun. The apparently. first time was hilarious to listen back to because you can't understand anything we're saying. Like, I'm really close to it. And then at some, I remember Lucas, the drummer, was sitting on the Far couch. Away. And then he'll, he there's a point where he talks for like five minutes. And he can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can't hear. It's just like. <laughs> the game's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. It was hilarious. I'm glad okay. we spent six hours doing that. I know. My wife was having a child that night, but I, I didn't no, go to the hospital because of that stupid podcast. Well, it, the preparation that night was needed for today. Mm-hmm. Today's so going to be excellent. This is going to be the best one. I've got, you've got all kinds of juicy questions. We should just talk about how it's going to be good the whole time. and Never and then, actually and then, get to any content. No, not at all. Actually, I'm going to be interviewing you today. I would love that. Because the world wants to know. What do they want to know? What size pants you wear. What your waist is. That's a is. little bit personal. Boxes or briefs. <laughs> Wait, is this the Tube same question? Tube socks or ankle socks? <laughs> yes. Now, I'm just rattling off some questions here. That people this want is like to teen beat Black beans or pinto stuff. beans, man? Ooh, black. Black? Yeah. Well, I tried it once and I never went back. Got you. Up top. Way to go. That's a good one. That's, yeah. a, that's a good joke. That was a so what do you guys want to talk about? I want to talk about... It's a rainy Sunday afternoon. 
Yeah. This is going to go up on Tuesday. This is the fastest I've ever turned one around. Well, the turnaround's going to be fast. It's going to be super quick. So I better make it I, quick into the I point. should start off by uh, kissing your butt a little bit. Okay. Then your new record is awesome. Oh, thank you. And it was such a surprise. I've been friends with you guys for a long time. Played a lot of shows with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I I got it. I didn't like stream it. or I don't know if you did that at all, but I just, the day it came mm-hmm. out, I just grabbed it because I didn't. Yeah. I'm on this weird thing now the older I get. I don't want to hear any sneak peek of a song from an album. Even the, mm-hmm. I just want to hear the whole thing. Because a lot of times, like when you hear a single first for yeah. months, and then you hear the album, like, you skip it. And I went yeah. the whole experience. The whole I don't even know if you guys did that, but yeah. I got the record when it came out and completely surprised in like the best way. Really? Because you guys were already yeah, awesome, yeah. and uh, I'm a fan, clearly. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was just a surprise. I, and I don't Thanks, I don't know man. what it was. Who did you make this this record with? Did you, was it with Mitch again? Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Dane. Dane. Mm-hmm. Mitch Dane and Vance Powell yeah. worked on it. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, we went in earlier this year and and um, took a little bit more time with it. We we had Vance come in a little bit more on the front end. In past projects, he's just done the mixing. Yeah. Whereas with this one, he he helped us out um, on the front end a little bit, dialing us in. And we kind of we we did a whole lot. I think this whole record was a lot more intentional than anything. Else we've done in that like we we had a very specific we wanted to do we you know we've done like kind of two projects two records or whatever and we were like okay this is what we want to move away from now this is what we want sonically we want the drums to be here you know, yeah I was gonna ask about that because it does sound like there's some deliberate like oh yeah like choices I mean, made well, like okay first, we've done this well yeah. the first record we made like King Richie yeah was like we wanted to make a record that sounded like. 1974. Yeah, like, that's to- what we wanted totally to do. Did. We wanted yeah. like flat drums. We wanted that real low snare, and yeah, it was real warm, and you know, which is great. And I love, I love what in, you know how it came out. Mm-hmm. But I think for this, we were like, okay, well, we need to like keep the progression. We want to make, we want to make a record that we've never made before. Yeah, you know, because we felt like the material that we were writing was evolving, as I, you know, I, as, as artists, we all, yeah, I mean, as we you wanted to. And then we were like, well, then we don't want the, the record to sound like King Richie Part 2 or the Sputnik Sessions Part 2. Right. We wanted like, it to be a whole new thing. And so, you know, we kind of spent a lot more time, I think, yeah. deliberately deciding what we wanted it to sound like. Yeah, you know, as far as specifically, you know, we changed out guitars more. Uh, both Adam and Jordan you know, experimented with different mm-hmm. brands, different pickups, different gauge strings you know different amps um i used a few different basses where in the past i've really just stuck to one mm-hmm. um upright yeah usually. Uh, yeah usually <laughs> fretless uh, upright. upright actually fretless on its side though like you were playing like a rock yeah. bass but you, yeah. you have enormous strength in your arms in the past actually doesn't stand it to play bass he would use that upright tip it over on its side and get suspended from the ceiling mm-hmm. oh. and so so that was Typically. a big change I heard that in the bass that, yeah. that you, you couldn't hear the it really you resonates. can hear my suspension absolutely yeah. on absolutely. the track <laughs> Um, There's a significant amount of suspension. That's Mitch Dane's. He's he has some crazy ideas. Yeah, he is out there. He is like an acrobat. <laughs> I would love to see Mitch Dane do Acrobats? gymnastics. <laughs> gymnastics. I'd like to see Mitch in a in a, in a onesie. It's <laughs> what <laughs> it's a CBGB onesie. Yeah, or, or the, the Run yeah. DMC one. Yeah, um, I don't know what that is. Well, he wears it. Yeah, with you. yeah, this record, it's the most intentional that we've done, and also. There's the most random quirks left in it, so it's kind of 
both mm-hmm. of those things happening moment by moment where yeah you know a lyric or whatever might be the most we might have labored over one word forever um and then the very next word just like happened to get in there right you know just randomly that's all and it's always kind of interesting like that like you know the the things that you spend an incredible amount of time on are the things that nobody even really notices but Mm -hmm. then it's the things that just sort of happen like Mm -hmm. sporadically or accidentally that people are like that's really cool man you're like really that part glad that i i tripped and i fell and (laughs) I, I sang that lyric or something or like everybody you know when I sang you gotta that, stop you gotta stop jogging in place when you're doing vocals that's what that's when you try that's when you trip and fall that's right man that's how you hit those high notes man subconscious thing that even I'm that I've realized I think about creating music for well, myself. Tell me about it. But like there is this there's this magic truth though. But I think that like <laughs> th- when you're writing songs it can't be a science. Like you can't you know there is an element of mystery to writing songs that needs to be there. Right. And so when we hunker down or we obsess or you like you're overworking this song, yeah, whether yeah. it's the content or the perspective in which you're writing the lyrics, or it's you know I don't know you you know whatever you're laboring over, you know the hook or it's like I almost feel like when you can unplug from it and then just get in your car and drive to the grocery store and just start humming the song, that's when all of a sudden you can allow the mystery to creep back in and just like mm-hmm. give you. Well, you're turning off your conscious brain. And but you never. But your unconscious. To sort of yeah, it totally. Yeah, your subconscious doesn't stop working it. Because that's even when I remember. Well, I've I've said this before on the podcast. But when I started playing guitar or whatever, like I'd be so frustrated that I couldn't get like a chord or like yeah. whatever. I'm trying to figure it out, and then like I put it down, and like my mind and my mm-hmm. and you know like in your hand eye coordination and all that kind of work while you're not working on it and then you come back you nail this part you're like oh I couldn't do that before it's the same thing creatively I feel like I I think that patience is such but patience in the sense of just allowing it to manifest itself when Mm -hmm. it's ready to manifest itself you know Mm -hmm. because like I you know because if you get in a mode where you're just like you know especially for us when we were working on this record man we were freaking out mm-hmm. working i mean day and night writing these songs mm-hmm. and the problem for in that for me is like you have to also be able to have patience enough to just give the songs time to evolve yeah you know and you That's may not yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, right i know cuz cuz it's human like if you're building a piano you're going to work until the piano's built. Yeah, you, you're you not can waiting, control it. You're not waiting on the piano to build itself. Yeah, you're following, like, you know, step one to step two, step three, and exactly. then at, by mm-hmm. step 33, it's done. Yeah. But that's not that's not anything in the creative field at all. There, I don't mm-hmm. think there's one thing as far as, like, creating a thing that you have to pull out of thin air, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it, Going from, like, that, that can relate to songs or whatever, writing a record, and to, like 
pursuing a career in it. Like there's no like step-by-step process. You just gotta, if there is, it's just a bunch of little things you have to just keep going and doing uh, repeat over and over again and grow. And it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating. (laughs) In, in the songwriting, it's basically the, the difference of waiting for the fog to clear or you keep running to try to get out of the fog. And I think this, in this album, in the writing for this album, there was moments of both. You know, sometimes you press through, sometimes you work seven hours on one song mm-hmm. at a time, and you're, you're running, you're trying to escape the fog. And then other times, like Jordan is saying, you just kind of, you sit where you're at around the fog, and you wait for it to lift. Yeah. And um, both moments of clarity when you're out of the fog, I don't know, they're just as life-giving, but... You just kind of you got there in a different place, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a different magic for both of them. One day, if the kicks ever have a box set, you'll see like right from the start, version one, two, three, four, and it's just like a huge <laughs> yeah. list of of all the different versions of. That I'm working one. on the kicks box set right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a bunch. When we went on tour, I recorded a bunch of them on my phone. Oh, so cool. that'll be like all these did like live demos. Did you record all the van conversations too? Every single one of them. Yeah. All the one-liners. <laughs> There's a lot of a uh, lot of cuss words, a lot of frustration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, frustrating phone calls with promoters. Oh <laughs> yeah. boy, yeah. But well, you know what's weird? Switching gears for a second about yeah. that, because we went on tour a few years ago. Yeah. In the winter. <laughs> yeah. It was the. Uh, we learned many lessons. It was on the that. kicks. Nick Flora get to towns two days, sometimes a day after a blizzard does tour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were we were following them, the blizzard. Uh, I feel like somehow we did. We followed a damn blizzard to places that haven't had had snow in years. Yep. yep. You know, and uh, but I feel like uh, when I look back on the tour, I don't get frustrated. My memories are all like that was a lot of fun, yeah. uh, which is a, I think a huge credit to me as a person. I think <laughs> yeah. that I am a delight. I think and... you're a saint. God. <laughs> I think that I remember, um, I remember thinking to myself, I haven't seen the sun in twelve days. <laughs> I know yeah. it was gray. It was and rainy and snowy. Yeah, for it was disgusting. The majority of the tour, and then in the middle of it, we in the middle of the tour, we played in Wichita, Kansas, on Super Bowl Super Bowl Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which actually ended up being kind of one of the funnest it shows because we played right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all, I remember sitting in the bar with the other band that was playing and the bartenders, and that was basically it, watching mm-hmm. the Super Bowl being like, you know, like, I don't like, I don't care about football. I saw the whole time, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, what are we doing? What, how did yeah. I not know Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, because I don't care about football. That's what yeah. it was. Well, and uh, then I remember people showed up though after, yeah, after the game was over. And then the... somehow we closed out the night with a joint set of, uh, how would How would it help? Yep. We did. Somehow oh. that came out of us. <laughs> to this day, when I when I pick up an electric guitar, that's the first thing I play. <laughs> it's because I learned it for that tour. <laughs> you're like, and it, it doesn't matter. It, it, somebody will tilt their head, poke their head in the room, if, even if I'm by myself, and they're like, is that, what, is that Highway to Hell? Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, Why that, wouldn't you be playing Highway to Hell right now? I have, a, I have an SG on. What else am I going to play? Mm-hmm. Of course. That's the extent of my tech knowledge for guitars. Yeah. You don't have much, do you? Mm-mm. This podcast... You have a great acoustic, though. There you I've go. That's all you need. Yeah. It's a Gibson. It's a Gibson, good. Yeah. dude. Uh, I... You should get an endorsement now. You should get paid for Gibson. that. Gibson. 
Wait, can you hook me up? The way, is that up. is that where you said the website you're you're doing stuff Indeed. for? Yeah. Are you do Are you doing uh, substitute teaching anymore? No. Because I have friends that still do that. Do you no. you don't do that? Okay, you no. did that last time. Maybe a few. This is a few years ago. Yeah. You're doing substitute teaching, and that's one of my favorite images <laughs> in oh, my yeah. mind uh, of of you standing in front of a, a class and With a, kids from the ghetto, <laughs> and they. Yeah, they were brutal. I learned a lot. That was, a lot of life experience came from that. I think that if you could have just taken the whole, like, if you guys could have played a show for the school, mm-hmm. and then you went to the, in their class to be a substitute teacher, you would have a, a huge amount of respect from those kids. I don't think they would have would have uh, it's given you the trash, or maybe. May, or maybe they would have. I think they just would have been like hugely impressed. Yeah, I I I think it just depends on what kind of music we were playing. Do you ever think like? When you're when you're having a frustrating time with those kids back then, did you ever think like if they could just see they have no idea what I do on stage? Um, you know what? I no. I think I think that my memories of that with you know, dealing with a lot of crazy kids who hated my guts. Um like, what am I doing? Yeah, well, well yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, how many times Any musician with I, a day job, that's what you're thinking yeah, at a day job, like absolutely. what am I doing? And so then I at the time, you know, I, I was in a position where you know, I needed you know, we were working. Oh we, no, we there's, there's the no road. shame like, in it. Yeah. And so but now it's like I look back on it like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I put myself through that. Like I would literally go to these high schools and they're inner city high schools and, you know, I had some of the most bizarre experiences of my entire life because it's like okay if you're in a middle school they kind of just like smart off to you but you're still kind of an adult figure but when you get to high school and they're almost your age yeah and they're twice your size it's just like i'm not even going to try to discipline you post puberty teenagers are terrifying yeah (laughs) it's true like if their voice hasn't changed yet at least it got one thing i don't don't know if you've ever i'm a big fan of john mulaney the love john yeah did was, I show you John Mulaney? I don't think you did. Maybe you did. Did he? I don't know. That might have been before I you was really, you know, I love John Mulaney, though. Yeah. And he, he has this bit that he does about eighth graders. Yeah. They're, they're the, terrifying. They're yeah. terrifying. They're yeah. like, they, they are Look the Look at that high-waisted man. Yeah. 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 With, 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 with feminine, feminine hips. <laughs> That's what I'm sensitive about. They know the one thing that yeah. comes to the it's core so of true. my being. And, I, and he, he talks about it in that bit how, how if he goes walking down the street and he sees like a group of like eighth graders coming towards him, he'll cross the street. I've done that at like the grocery store. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to. I, I, I mean, I think about when I was in eighth grade and what kind of horrible human being I was. And yeah. it's just like, yes, it's, you were. it gives me every, you know, right to be terrified of eighth grade. How do you, you know? Gamer <laughs> members. I didn't know you in eighth grade. In no, my, it's true. I was a in my head, person. In my head, I feel like, like everybody's kind of a bad Jordan person. Jordan was like, oh, oh, eighth graders are the worst people. The worst people. Like, I have nephews who were, like, adorable little kids, really sweet little kids, and when they're eighth, in eighth grade, like, that's the period where... Oh, God, where yeah. And I was still scared of them. Like, and I've known them since they were a baby, but I'm, like, I'm still scared of you. Yeah. Don't... Somehow we made it out. I know, because they get bigger than you, like, literally, yeah. physically mm-hmm. bigger than you. And they don't, but they don't know their brute strength, so it's, like, a little person. A little Are you per- saying a little that you person. got your ass kicked by an eighth grader? It could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet... Sing the songs you hear inside your head You were born to hold the world inside your head My Juliet Some have said The age of rock and roll is dead We can fill our minds with other things instead But not mine
One of the things that I get asked for, for people who who listen to this podcast and just and who <clears throat> who write in general to me, yeah. I don't know if you get this too, but people ask me all the time, like, what? How do you get where it shifts and you're actually music's taking up more of your time and yeah. like starting to pay a little bit and so. Yeah. What's your experience with that? I guess is the question. I, I remember, at least, to speak into the the part of um, when does how does music can you make music take up more of your time? Sure. Um, a long time ago, kind of having a, a little bit of a realization that we're creatures of habit, and I know that's a very general thing, but realizing that if you could get into the habit of doing something every day, that if it's a good habit, that that would be really beneficial. So trying to wake up and every day remind yourself to do one thing for your music career. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was even before the band got started. Because um, I'd remember going week by week looking back on the previous week going, what have I even done to to help this thing that I say I'm really passionate about? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of turned into, I just need to do one thing every day, whether it's try to book a show, whether it's write a song, whether it's make a poster, whatever it was. And a lot of times early on, it's like all you can do is write because you don't have a lot of business going on. Um, but that was one way that music as a lifestyle really started to creep uh into my life as a regular as a staple and a kind of a foundation um to live out and practically yeah practically live out the dream you know is one thing at a time Mm -hmm. you know at first just do one thing every day and when that becomes habit and like really etched into your brain one thing will turn into two things Mm -hmm. and And so on and i think that we live in a culture of options which is amazing when you're at Whole Foods because you're like, there are a million different types of dark chocolate. Um, is Whole Foods one of your sponsors? That way you're... Yeah, Whole Foods. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> well, I think, I think one of the, the most difficult things about being a musician is the options that are available to you just in life and in making money. And I think that it's so hard, you know, logistically on a day-to-day basis... Absolutely. Choosing, making decisions, like the conscious decision to make a habit out of doing one thing a day for your music. Like mm-hmm. that is a, that's amazing. And if, and if you can get to that point where you're doing that, things are going to start happening. You're going to start writing more songs and your songs are going to get better and that'll snowball yeah. into playing more gigs and the gigs will get better and more people will hear about you and it's just a big snowball effect. On a macro level, on a like sort of stepping out, one thing that I've seen a lot of my friends or just people over the years struggle with when, when it comes to music is like, I have a lot of options, right? I've allowed myself to have a lot of options. I have a job that I make $45,000 a year at and I, I have benefits. And I also, you know, really, you know, I have um, car payment, a mortgage and all, and I have kids now and all, you know what I mean? And it's like, those are obligations and there's nothing wrong with having any of that. Mm-hmm. But on the very fundamental level of starting a music career you're right like there is you have to start from nothing you're building a small business it's a small organization it's just like anything else it's just like if you're starting a grocery store or whatever and for a while you're not going to make money and you have to accept that the problem lies in when people i feel like music is something that takes up so 
requires so much energy, emotional, mm -hmm. spiritual, intellectual, physical energy, mm -hmm. and making the operations, making everything work, and creating art that has value and, and that's mm -hmm. meaningful and it should be the most important thing. Um, it's hard to have options. It's hard to also be working the 40 hour a week job. And, and you know what I mean? It's kind of like stepping in with one foot. And there's nothing wrong with having a, a music, like having music on the side. Like, I love doing music. I've got right. friends who have jobs that have kids, and mm -hmm. you know, and that's sure. all wonderful. But like, you know, they're like, man, every, every two years, I love to like get all my songs together and I'll throw a couple grand to a, a guy and I'll make a record. That's awesome. Like, that's yeah. perfect. But if what your goal is, is to, like, I want to build a career and I want to, you know, I want to make records for the next 30 years. In five years, like, I want this to be yes, really my bills exactly. It's, I think, you know, you got to really jump in with both feet. And that doesn't mean you can't have a family. It doesn't mean you can't have a wife. I mean, I've got a wife and, and a house right. and a life. But at the same time, for us, it's like we have deliberately chosen... I mean, I know Gabe and myself and Adam um, have chosen like this is our this is what we're committing to, and so everything else, you know, if there's months here and there or early on when we were working full time jobs or when we were working jobs, you know, to just pay the bills and mm -hmm. that was an a means to an end to get to mm -hmm. the point to where music was our life. You know, we were you know we were committed to making that happen, and I think that if you just can't ride that fence. You really have to jump in and say, you know, and there's some musicians who would say, well, I'm a musician because I didn't really, I'm not good at anything else, you know. But there are also really talented, really successful musicians who are like, I mean, honestly, there are a lot of things that I probably could have done, but I love music the most, and that's mm -hmm. what I've decided to do with my life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, you, I, but I think inter allowing options to creep into your life and distract you and take time and energy out of what the end goal is. Because being an artist and making records is what your dream is, then that needs to be the, the, the center of your thinking. Everything should come as a result of like, okay, is this going to allow me to spend more time writing? Is this going to allow me the freedom um, to go tour? Is this going to allow me to mm -hmm. express what I want to do with my life? And mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot. Of, I think one of the biggest revelations for me personally was when I, because I, I kind of always viewed pursuing music as the alternative to going to like an office job yeah. or to school. And I, I hated the uniformity of all of that and like the schedules and all. Like I was just like that just sounded like quicksand to me, and I just wanted to just be free and create and run around and play music with my friends. And then, but, but it's so scattered and I felt like I was constantly building, you know, it was constantly uh, anticlimactic where I'd build and I'd get momentum yeah. and then I'd lose it all. And like mm -hmm. the, you know, the balloon would blow up and then it'd deflate and yeah. then I'd get frustrated and feel like I was back to where I began. And then like a, a couple of years ago, I started like thinking of this as a job and like yeah. I would and making a schedule, sticking to it, yeah. making, you know, blocking out every little aspect of it. Like I would at a job like, yeah. it, and honestly, like keeping spreadsheets. And I, I know yeah. like you guys do that too. Like, you know, yeah. just yeah. Like, keeping track of everything and keeping records of everything and, you know, like actually treating this like it was a small business mm -hmm. and taking it seriously in that way. Yeah. And, and, and that has made every bit of a difference as far as like, yeah. Not only just feeling better about tracking my progress, I got, oh, look here, I had so, you know, mm -hmm. I, be, I began the year with 700 likes on Facebook and now I have 1,400. Like, right. yeah. little things like that, yeah. even, you know, to, to anything, I feel like yeah. 
tree and like <laughs> like the thing that I was running away from mm-hmm. was was huge and I wish I would have figured it out years yeah. ago but yeah. are there the people who listen to this podcast do you have a lot of like musician there are a lot of people who are like who play music on the side or like want to want to get yeah. into it I mean one thing that we can speak to a little bit better um is the idea of being in a band as opposed to a solo artist. Yeah, I was going to ask and, about that. And, and you know, for people, you know, in new bands or thinking about starting a band, um, a really important thing, uh, obviously, people always ask, you know, the money part of it. How do you make money? How do you, you know, how can you finance um, the whole start, I mean, getting a van or a trailer sure. or you need a case for your guitar, whatever it is, how do you, as a band, because when you have to, mm-hmm. when you can go and play a show as a solo artist and get a hundred bucks, making a hundred bucks a day, if you can do that every day of the month or the work days, that's two grand. But if you have two grand and four guys in the band, now you, you've only made $500 a piece, mm-hmm. which is not enough. Um, and so one thing that, the kicks did is having this conversation of how are we going to get money? Like, because we need to get some things and we need to be able to go out onto the road and play our own songs. And none of us make a ton of money doing our side job. So what are we going to do? And the, and the thing that we found, the thing that we decided that we would do to make money is to play cover shows, um, you know, sororities, fraternities, um, four hour, you know, 10 to 2 a.m. cover gigs. Um, and so, and, and it worked for us. It was a great way to finance so much stuff, especially early on. Um, and so if you're in a band, especially starting out, I would sit down and have a serious conversation, a serious brainstorming session that says like, okay, even if we don't have a million people buying our records and a million people coming to the shows, what is something that we could do as a group to unite us together? That's still in that vein. Still in yeah. the music vein. Still working vein. your, your, your yeah. muscles. And, yeah. yeah, and maybe it's going into schools. Maybe it's playing cover gigs. Maybe it's being a wedding band. Maybe it's... Uh, Designing artwork design, or yeah. do, doing t-shirts. or Yeah, we've, we've actually had a few different bands I know of that have done the t-shirt thing. Like a couple of the guys. And, yeah, yeah, screen printing. And it's just... Um, because your band needs money. We know that. You know that. And the like, biggest thing, and I think the biggest hurdle in the ego of a musician, you know, even no matter how, you know, uh, experienced or inexperienced you are, you kind of think like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Like, that's not me, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm a musician. Not, I'm a musician, man. I'm not, you know, I don't do that kind of stuff. I write my own, you know, and that's cool. Like, that's fine. Part it's, of me totally respects that, but part of me is like, you're not there yet, buddy. I, well, and that's it. <laughs> honestly, in this, this is this is our perspective, and I don't pretend that it, it needs to be everybody's. Sure. But f- from the beginning, we were like, we are not too good for anything. Like, we're going to, you know, if there's a gig, money. and we need money. And, and, and a, for us, it worked because we are freaking massive fans of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Like, we... I mean, we know way more than we should know mm-hmm. about John Lennon and Paul McCartney. What's the drummer's name? Uh, uh, Gringo. 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 White guy. Gringo. Yeah. Gringo Starkey. Something like that. Starsky. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so for uh, and like they started in, in you know in the in the playing the bar gigs, man. Freaking mm-hmm. playing the cover gigs, at, you know, till four in the morning, mm-hmm. and we were like, 
freaking A, if John Lennon could do it, so can we. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do now. And so we went out, and we started playing gigs, and we bought a van, and then we bought a trailer, and then we bought gear, and then we bought sound systems. It's and just good. Yeah. It's just like, and, and uh, you know, yeah. at the time, a lot of our friends who were like, you know, our great, like, you know, they'd be like, how, what, how are you, how did you get a freaking van? Like, well, dude, because. I was like that. I was yeah. like, how, the kicks are making them happen. <laughs> like, uh, but we're like, well, freaking A, man. We yeah. just went out on a set, instead of sitting at home on a Saturday night, like, we might as well go make some money. And, and here's the, chops. It, like, if you're a little leery about doing whatever it takes, like, you know, wedding gigs or bar gigs or whatever, you don't have to tell everybody. Like, no, shit. just, just look, go, just go we, to your job and There are plenty of gigs that home. we've never told a soul about yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know. I told myself when it, when I, I last job I had was three years ago. I worked at a movie theater. I think I like I just quit it. I quit it so we could go on tour actually, yeah, <laughs> which I was incredible. That, uh, that was such a the best feeling in the world is quitting a day job did that you, you pull hate. Jerry Maguire, take your fish and be I like, I did, and nobody cared. They're like, you can go. You, yeah, it was yeah, never nice. Really but uh, cares, man. that was another thing too, where I worked up with a bunch of sixteen year olds who didn't know that I played music and yeah. like. Uh, I was like, you guys have no idea, like what I, you know, what I'm capable of in this kind of like creative way. Like they don't know. Like I'm just, the, I'm just the old guy that works at the movie theater. <laughs> but uh, but there was there was this amazing thing. Like when I quit, I was like, okay, you know what? I don't want to have to go and get another day job again. So as long as I'm working a creative muscle in yeah. any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. as long as I'm performing music or creating it in some way, yeah. then that's a plus. Yeah. And and putting it in that wide of a box has made all the difference because I've been I've asked to you know write little background you know stuff you know for for radio not like jingles but just background music for people to put over voiceover stuff and like just random stuff that nobody my name isn't even on it you know yeah or going back to what we were talking about before the before we started recording but like you know DJing Mm -hmm. weddings I DJ Gabe's wedding yes and uh and performing at weddings or whatever as long as it's in that wheelhouse I I I call it a plus you hone skills like even when you don't know like Doing those gigs, you learn how to read crowds. Yes, that's huge. You learn how to read crowds. You you learn how to communicate with crowds. You learn how to see, how to facilitate the party that they're wanting to have. Yep. Um, And I think that that's absolutely something that comes with experience. I mean, Mm -hmm. very few performers and entertainers over the year would say, you know... um, I just, I literally came out of the womb and I was just an entertainer. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, listened to that Billy Joel podcast, the interview with, mm-hmm. God, I forget what. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec oh, Baldwin yeah, yeah. Billy yeah. Joel. Yeah. And, and he was talking about being in bands and having no freaking idea. He didn't think he was a front man, blah, 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 you know. It's like, you have to learn those skills. And the, the question is, where are you going to learn those skills? And how long is it going to take you mm-hmm. to get to that point to where, like, you're really mastering the craft of entertaining people because at the end of the day like that's what we're doing we are in the in, in the entertainment industry between 
the people who think they've got it all and get up there and you can tell that they, you know, they think that or they know that. And then the people who um, th either, either think that and know that but don't exude that or just kind of have it without knowing it, that you have to realize it's like if you've got all that, what you want to do is give it to the audience, mm -hmm. not not shine the light on yourself, right. unless shining the light on yourself is a means of giving your audience something. Yeah. Because it's a channel; it's constantly yeah. like, you, what, what do you, where does that channel lead yeah. to? That's all it is. If the, if the channel stops, if the if the light shining down stops at you, the performer, you're gonna get the guy on stage who's seems like a total, you know, cool. so into himself. But if he lets the spotlight hit him and kind of d disco right. ball it to everybody yes. else, yeah. you have a guy who's super magnetic and also giving his audience a great Tuesday or whatever right. it is. Absolutely, you know? yeah. It's about, honestly, everything about music. And it took us a long time to realize this. Like, when we're kind of getting into <laughs> the, the life of this band and, like, yeah. the very heart of this band because there is something inherently self-indulgent about being an artist. Sure. There is. And that's a dangerous place to be. I, I really do. I think it's a dangerous place to be. And it's a dangerous, it's a very careful balance because you're right. You have to believe in yourself, but at the same time, you have to be humble. And it can't be fake humility because people see through that. Oh, so, yeah, you know? so quickly. Like, you have to believe you have what it takes. And hopefully over the years that you play music and that you write songs, like, you've got people that you trust and that you love and that love you that say, dude, you're actually really great. You need to keep going with this. I think you're on to something here. Keep going. Keep going. As long as you have people like that in your life, it's like, well, then I'm going to keep plodding along. I think that the, the greatest artists and the greatest bands of all time weren't bands that just stood up on stage and kind of, like, the, as you as you said, like, the light just kind of stopped at them. Like, mm -hmm. that was it. Like, just come watch and see, you know, and there were some greats out there, you know. I think of bands like Zeppelin, you know, Robert Plant, the golden god, just in the middle right. of the stage with the giant bulge, you know, just standing there. And, uh, you know, and like, and everybody's just kind of in awe of this man, yeah. you know. But at the same time, I, there are so many artists that um, their entire career and their art revolved around the connection that they had with the people who wanted to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're creating a conversation with people. And the question is, at that point, is what do you want to say? Because I don't believe in creating art for the sake of art. I believe in creating art for the sake of connecting people. Yeah. People can identify with it. It's easy to like go make a record of material that nobody's going to understand. It's that. easy to make art that goes over people's heads. Because, yeah, Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tom. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think at the right. same time, it's, it's, it's challenging to write music that connects with people on a profound level. And I think as artists, you know, I mean, you are who you are. You create art that is a manifestation of who you are, experiences you've had, and what your dreams are. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully people connect with it. But then it's like, okay, so we have that connection with people, and now it's just like, well, what are we giving to each other? Mm -hmm. It's not just about me, lead singer of the Kicks, going to a bar or a theater and playing in front of people and being like, I'm best bestowing right. all this goodness. You're lucky to have Yeah, me. like, give me a freaking break. That's that's a bunch of there, there's, crap. It is definitely a, uh, it's an exercise. Like Performing is tossing the ball back and forth 
but it, the audience has as much of a responsibility as the performer does. Yeah. Because I have played, I guarantee, I know that you, for a fact that you guys have too, the shows where nobody really shows up, you're, you're playing for the sound guy, so you're tossing the ball out there, and it's literally, it stops about as fast yeah. as if you were literally throwing a ball out there. Yeah. So you have to stop. to the back of the yeah. it just <laughs> hop down, back. go back and get it, bring it back. And so you're playing the show, and, it's, and I've played shows where... It's where like playing catching a brick wall. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've talked to people afterwards, and they're like, how'd the show go? And I was like, I did great. But the crowd didn't show up, literally, or or they yeah. did, and they weren't there to see a show. Yeah. And there there are such a thing as crappy crowds, no, uh, yeah. too, where like they don't know, they didn't know what was happening. The context wasn't there, whatever it was. Yeah. You know what? You you can't get so frustrated by that that well, you don't you get up there love, again. I think that's when that's you, when you, you have, have to love it more than ever. That's yeah. when that's when you have to love it more than ever. And and I have to say, like I consider myself so fortunate to be in a rock and roll band with my best friends making music that we love to make yeah we just love this stuff and so believe me i'm not it's not like if if there's a big gig and all of a sudden we show up and there's like two people there that we're not like screw this uh no i think that as artists and bands um one way that i try to look at it is that if you were to have a party at your house nick you're going to invite mm-hmm. the Kicks, you're going to invite all the bands from Nashville, and we're going to come over and we're going to hang. And two people show up to the party. I know, because I know who you are, that a couple things. A, you still want to have a good party mm-hmm. because it's Friday night, and you'd like to have a good time as opposed to a bad time. Number two is that your personality, you're not going to let those people go without connection. If they come right. in and they're like hanging their head and, you know just kind of out of it you're you're not going to let them sit in your living room without being like dude oh yeah what's up like let's talk let's you know and it's a let's little watch good, crazy youtube videos yeah let's do or something. just something like let's just kind of connect yeah, yeah. absolutely and maybe there's 50 people who show up to your party and it's a totally different party but i think as artists we are the host of whatever party we want it to be and if there's two people who show up to the show it's the same thing as two people showing up to your living room. You're not going to... They're humans. Like, you're not going to choose not to care about them uh-huh. because you're a caring person. I That's really think good, that. That's a yeah. good analogy. You know, yeah. and... And I am a good person. And you are a good well, person. on your better days. <laughs> that's the theme of this um, podcast. But, you know, I think that's why in those shows where there's one person or two people, it's like yeah. if, if one or two people came up to you on the street you're not going to disregard them because there's, there's only 30 people coming Absolutely. up to you on the street. Yeah. That's true. So I never thought about that. Engage yeah. them. Like, give them the whole deal because the truth is, is you're, you're, you are the kind of person to give one person the whole deal. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of person you and are. And also, on top of that, like, the fact that you create art that anybody wants to listen to is a freaking privilege. It's a privilege. Yeah. It is. I, the, most people are giving up their evenings to see. Like a lot of people have been work all day, yeah. and they're spending their. I think about that I, recently. I they're spending their evening out, and they want to have a good time. They're cheering this whole experience mm-hmm. on. And why would you give any less than that? I think yeah. about that all the yeah. time. Like, I mean, wow. it's it, it really is. I think that it's easy to fall into a trap of almost entitlement, and and oh, I've done absolutely. it a million times. I feel like we all have have done it, and I think that. It's easy when you commit so much time and effort and emotional energy and physical energy into your music and your career and touring and booking and hotels and blah, 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 all these oh things gosh, that go yeah. into it. And then 
nobody come, or three people come, like you almost feel like this feeling of like bitterness or resentment. And the fact that any anybody can write a song that other people want to listen to is purely a privilege. Yeah. And it's like if at that point, if you can be grateful that three people in Wichita, Kansas want to come out to listen to your songs that you wrote sitting on the edge of your freaking bed. Mm-hmm. Like you should be happy and grateful that those people want to hear that because what you're doing now is you're connecting with them on an intellectual level or an emotional level. And you guys, like you were saying, it's like coming to a party. It's like saying, dude, let's have a night together. Right. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what's Mm going to happen, but we'll start by playing these freaking songs. Yeah. And it's like, and, and then if you're playing for 300 people or 30,000 people, it's, Mm -hmm. it facilitates a healthy, I feel like for us, like early on tackling that, like, so that when you do start playing rooms and you're like, you kind of, I mean, I, you know, we've done this and Gabe laughs every time I do it. Like they're like the peek around the curtain, you know, like, the, Oh yeah. It's like, the best. Dude, like, dude, that dude, thing you do, dude, like there's like this room's full right now. Yeah. You know, Gabe's like, yeah, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, you know, cause I, that I never just, gets I, old though. That really doesn't get old. It, it never gets old, but you're so, there's such an overwhelming feeling for me and for us, but just for me of like, just gratitude mm-hmm. that, that like, I, you know, tomorrow night may be empty. I don't know where we're playing tomorrow night, but tomorrow night, but tonight, right now, in this moment, yeah. there's 300 people in this room. We get room to go party with 300 people. That want to connect with what's yeah. happening. And you guys are the hosts, and you get to facilitate that. That out. is fantastic, yeah. You know? I don't, it's, a, it's a decent mentality to employ because it, it, uh, it saves you from some of the lows that, that could we're happen. This, we're on the same journey. I mean, every artist, every band, every musician, we're all on the same journey. It's just a even journey. Yeah, even journey. <laughs> journey. That was a good. But, that was a good <laughs> uh, but I, I think about now, like the longer that I've been doing this, and you know, I'm only playing to sometimes there's only thirty to forty people a night, mm-hmm. you know, on tour or whatever, and uh, sometimes not even that. Like I think about the longer that the crowds are lower, and maybe people don't know about me as mm-hmm. as much as they might. Like best case scenario in our job yeah. is that we're playing like you know freaking Bon Jovi numbers <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, or whatever or you too whoever the biggest band on the planet yeah. is you know playing to those people for the rest of our careers yeah. if that's best case scenario that's what we're working towards we might not ever get it but if we do I feel like we're always going to remember this period and the longer this period yeah. is the more we're going to appreciate that period Yeah, you know yeah. where we're playing yeah. to, you know because if you're only playing for like 20 shows and your 21st show is Bridgestone Arena and that's it for the rest of your life, yeah. uh, then I, I feel like it would be so easy to just be like, oh, you know. Yeah. I've always played Big cr- Bridgestone Arena. Those crowds are yeah. too loud. Yeah. They're just so loud. Can we play yeah. a smaller room or something? Yeah. Yeah. Can we block off sections J through Q? Yeah, like, exactly. Geez. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and your problems become like, you know, mm. f- like there's no grapes in the in the green room. Yeah. I asked for grapes. Yeah. <laughs> just like, Give shut up. Yeah. I've been eating Taco Bell in my car before I go on stage. Like, for yeah. you, you know. Yeah. No, you're right, man. I think that, like, I remember Mitch um, meeting with him probably a year ago to, you know, it was a while ago before we started the record. Mr. Mitch Dane. Mr. Mm-hmm. Mitch Dane. I remember him asking me, he's like, if you woke up tomorrow morning and the band was over, could you look back at your experiences in the kicks and just be grateful? And and I think that that kind of began a process for me as well of like putting things into perspective, you know, because the reality is, is that like, the goal is to do something in life that's fulfilling that you enjoy doing, you know. Mm. And if if music happens to be that for me, like 
I, I'm not, I don't want to chase other people, other bands, other artists sort of um, careers, you know, because we're on a completely different journey than you are. And yeah. you're on a completely different journey than, you know. Nobody has the exact same story. Exactly. So. And so it's just like, if, if we start measuring our happiness by what other people around us are achieving, all we're doing is freaking chasing that rabbit around the dog track. Mm-hmm. And we're never, ever going to, you know, we're not going to catch it, man. That contentment is never going to happen. So it's like if we can just get grateful and get excited and about get content now get to this spot. Now yeah. what we're doing, man, it's like if there's thirty thousand people there, yeah, mind blown. Right. But if there's three hundred people there, that's awesome too. That's I mean, it's, incredible. It's yeah. just it's a different. You know, I think at the end of the day, like I don't want I don't want to date Lindsay Lohan. Like I don't I don't give a shit about that. Nice two thousand three reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a hot chick. Um, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we're not. I know what you're saying. We, we don't. I don't I don't look at doing music in a sense of like I want to be famous. Like, right, right. You know, don't get me wrong, I want to sell records and you want to do it so it keeps feeding into itself. Yeah. But the, of course for us and I think we're always we've been very pragmatic in that like we want to make music that we love and we want to play it for people who want to be a part of our lives mm-hmm. and we want to be a part of their lives and we just want to make a living. Like we want to support a family, you know? I mean, it's like I want to be able to put my kids in college one day. And the extent, the magnitude of that success is sort of not up to us, is it? It's kind of, you know, if, if you believe in God, it's a God thing. Right. If you believe in the universe, then it's just a freaking karma thing or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like the reality is, is like you work hard, you go down your own path and... Be open to opportunity can, and can, be ready for opportunity. Exactly, man. And we can be content with where we're at in our lives, dude. Yeah. Then everything else is just icing. You spoke to something really quick. I wanted to ask you guys because this gets brought up a lot and is a constant yeah. thing that I deal with personally. Is how do you not compare yourselves to other bands and feel maybe jealous or competitive mm-hmm. with other other artists that are doing it? And because that that instantly makes you feel like crap. You know, anytime yeah. I'm like this this how did this band that I feel like I am maybe a little bit mm-hmm. I I deserve this more, which yeah. is totally wrong. But sure. it's still a feeling like, dang it, why didn't we get that show? Or why yeah. didn't I get that, that yeah. write-up? Or why didn't I get that review? Or yeah. whatever. To, what? How do you guys combat those kind of natural artistic yeah. feelings? Stop just following them on Twitter, Twitter <laughs> and just pick up the phone and talk to them about it. Because I guarantee <laughs> what do you, mean by you that? like, if if I saw on, like, Twitter that mm-hmm. you said, Nick Floor, you know, so, so blessed, y'all, you know, opening for Bon Jovi at the right. Bridgestone, I'm like... What did Nick do? To, well, <laughs> I would yeah, say that too. But if I ran into you or if I called you to say what's up, and you're like, you'll never believe the phone call I got. You know, Bon Jovi, he called me himself and he sang me <laughs> living on a prayer and then he asked me if I wanted to be on the show. You know, like that's awesome and I can be happy for it. You know, right. that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. one stupid little thing. No, but like, those, it's, those you matter. You went on a three-day binge with him in the Virgin Islands. It's yeah. true. It's but true. I'm serious though. I mean, the, the social media thing will kill you. It will, it, it, it can kill you. You know, reading it on Twitter and Facebook all the time, you're seeing all these successes and it's like, the truth is you need to give yourself a little bit more credit because if you were at coffee with those people mm-hmm. and they were kind of telling you what's up, you'd have a lot more um, enthusiasm and grace for what they're telling you. Interesting. To... You know, if, if, if we recognize that comparison is the thief of joy, mm-hmm. which we all know is uh, that's, specific to that's being That's a life artist, lesson, yeah. Yeah. 
if we know that comparison is the thief of joy, and we also recognize that we're on our own path, on our own journey, writing our own music, or on our own, we got our own business that we're starting. I mean, it's just completely different paths. But if we recognize that, like, dude, I believe in what I'm doing, and I'm passionate about what I'm doing, and I feel like I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be on this path. Yeah. Then if we can, it's, I mean, it's easier said than done. And that's what I mean. It's like, it's, it's not uh, something that, like, I've reached this sort of zen of, like, not giving a crap what other people are doing with their lives. Right. But at the same time, like, if we can get content in our own lives and our own hearts, then we can actually have enough emotional energy to be happy for people that open for Bon Jovi after the three-day binge sure. in the Virgin Islands, you know? It's a challenge for everybody, but it's like that in freaking life. I mean, it's, it's you know, I don't know. I, I think that focusing on what you're doing, but as long as you're, sta- you're passionate about what you're creating and you have goals and you can focus on those goals... And you can really, in your heart of hearts, believe in what you're doing. I think that it's, and you can just kind of recognize the fact that, like, this is not productive. Mm-hmm. This isn't productive. Like, you know, because the reality is, is, like, somebody who's, like, blowing up right now in five years might be kind of on the, the proverbial downslope. That, but yeah. in five years, it might be you that's, like, finally hit your There's stride. There's enough room and it's in like, this game for everybody to have a high point. Exactly, yeah. man. Hey guys, I'm calling an audible here with this episode. Uh, that's a football term, I'm told. It also has a double meaning because this is an audio podcast. Uh, anyway, this episode has way too many good parts uh, in it for me to fit in one single one-hour episode. So if you've been enjoying this kind of creative philosophy shop talk that uh, we're having in this episode, I'm going to put up a bonus episode following this one with the rest of the conversation with the kicks. Uh, it'll be about 20 minutes or so of a bonus episode. So I realize that this kind of talk isn't for everyone, and uh, but if you have any interest in pursuing creative things in any capacity, you're probably really digging it. So I thought a bonus episode was uh, was a good idea. So part two with the kicks will be up soon, probably in the next couple days following this original episode. In the meantime, go to thekicksrock.com, grab their latest album. It's called Tonight Changes Everything. Uh, or check their tour schedule, see them live. They're a fantastic live band. They're always playing shows on the road. As you can tell, they're just hardworking guys, and uh, they're doing some great stuff with some killer songs, as you've heard some already on this episode. So thanks for listening. Uh, for Who Writes This Stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Go do something creative. Go do something creative.